Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today, friends, we have got a real treat for you. <laughs> I'm so excited because we're bringing back a fan favorite, but we're we're like seeing her and we're raising her or whatever. Like it's it's her, Jana Wakefield, but it's also her husband, Caleb Wakefield. Welcome. Hello. Yes. Hello. <laughs> double the Wakefields, double the fun. Double the Calebs. Oh, that's true. We have two Wakefields and we also have two Calebs. So I'm just all left out, but that is okay. I'm fine with that. You you can be an honorary Caleb. Thank you. Excellent. We'll let you in the club. Yay. <laughs> so we get to ask Jana what she's been up to since season three, which was when she was here last, which was like a year ago. And then we also get to ask Caleb the questions we ask new guests. So who wants to go first? Caleb, do you want us to put you through the the ringer? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So Caleb. Yes. Just kidding. (laughs) That's going to happen all (laughs) night. Um, No, we ask guests to tell us a little bit about their family that they grew up with and the family that they have now. Okay. I grew up in a family of five in Southeast Texas. Um, I've got two brothers. Um, I've got a mother. My father's deceased. I come from, I guess, what do they call it when parents divorce? A broken family. A broken family. <laughs> yeah, I moved in with my dad when I was 12. Um, that's when they gave me the the, uh, the choice. Mm, to, you know, wow. State of Texas. And so I jumped over to the far side of town, went, went and lived with my dad. But, uh, but yeah, I've got two brothers and... Uh, I'll speak to one of them. He's pretty much the worst human being you've ever met in your life. Oh, no. Is that one? Can I ask? Is that one your twin? No, my twin is my best friend. Oh. My twin looks nothing like me. We're as fraternal as night and day, but we laugh exactly the same. We tell the same corny jokes. When we hear new corny jokes, we call each other and tell each other the corny jokes. <laughs> so the other person can go tell the corny joke. You know, That's excellent. Spread the love and the cheer. Um, but yeah, my, my big brother's the one I want to speak to. Gotcha. And speaking of corny jokes, I just have to put it in there that one of the first things I thought was so cool about you from my perspective is that you are a Wakefield twin, um, as any fans of Sweet Valley High <laughs> would know. Yeah, I was in the club right off the bat. <laughs> right off the bat. I was like, well, that's all it takes. I'm, I'm one over. So, um, well, thank you. No, that's great. And your family now, we, we basically know, but... There's more. Yeah. So my family now, I have a gorgeous wife that y'all have all met and love <laughs> as much as I do, hopefully. Um, I have two lovely stepchildren. Zachary is seven and Kai is 14. She'll be 15 on the 23rd. Um, I have two sons. I have a 23-year-old son and a 14-year-old son and three grandchildren. Wow. <laughs> that does seem impossible. And yet. Right? No. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way, I guess. Can't go camping without a tent. (laughs) We also ask guests where they're joining us. And I, Jana has said this one before, and you, you still live in the same spot. So you're in Arkansas. Yes. Springdale, Arkansas. Nice. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And then our last question is, what is your history with the show Parenthood? Um, I've seen it front to back. So uh, my first ex-wife, Long story, but we won't get into that. My first ex-wife <laughs> started it, and at first she made me watch it with her, and I was like, oh, watch this, you know? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. whatever, you know? <laughs> and then I got hooked. It happens. And then I watched it all the way through. You know, Zeke is my favorite. I think that Zeke is your favorite. 
Oh gosh, yeah. I love that. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's a very dynamic character. <laughs> he is. That is true. That is a very good way to describe him. And Jana, how have you been since about a year ago? I mean, I know, but the folks at home do not. And and my Caleb hasn't seen you since. Well, for the benefit of Caleb and the folks at home, man, I I just don't feel like anything has changed. To be honest, we're coming to the end of a school year. And so, you know, for us teachers, it's, we all know how that feels. It's just kind of been a slog and then getting to the point where it's like, okay, so next year, how am I going to do it differently? Yeah, that's my, my stage currently is just uh, feeling a lot of hope for fresh starts coming up in August and wrapping up what we're doing now, testing season. Oh, yeah the happiest season of all. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's perfect. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to have you both here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited. Well, you should be because today (laughs) we're discussing Parenthood Season (laughs) 5, Episode 7. Speaking of baggage, this title, this is so random, but this, this goes out to my sister, Lindsay, who I know listens all the time. I weirdly get such a kick out of pronouncing short a's as long a's baggage so speaking of baggage (laughs) it makes me laugh so much anyway season five episode seven speaking of baggage it was written by ian deitchman and Kristen rusk robinson it was directed by millicent shelton it originally aired on november 7th 2013 and here is the tv guide synopsis christina tells amber a story about her relationship with adam Drew develops a crush on his new classmate. Julia gets attention from Ed. Zeke spends time home alone. And Max finds some old photographs of Hank and Sarah. So this episode begins with Drew and Natalie hooking up. What? I wondered what you guys thought of their hookup happening when Natalie was drunk. And she admitted she was a little drunk. I thought it was awesome of Drew the character Mm -hmm. and Parenthood the show to even depict a guy pausing yeah. <laughs> to, to consider, like, are you okay to decide to do this? But was it still okay? Did you feel okay about it or was it like, mm. I loved that they depicted the, the pause because I think that it would have been a nice little stereotype to, I, I think a lot of guys would pause. I think classically in film and TV, it's been like, yeah, all right, let's, <laughs> let's do it. And, and I don't think that that's the truth of it. Yeah. And so I really, I, I, it seemed honest to me. Um, and then they went ahead and I also thought that that felt really real. Mm-hmm. It just felt, it all felt real. I'm glad they did it too. Especially, I mean, it really resonates now. Yeah. You know, I and mean, in 2013, it wasn't resonating like it was, it is now. And so kudos for them for, for being sad to say, I guess, forward thinking in 2013, <laughs> but I mean, really, you know, yeah. it's kind of pitiful. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. Good for him, by the way. Um, you know, good for both of them for the hookup. I mean, the hookups are fun. You know, everybody needs a good hookup every now and then. You know, yeah. uh, when they're when they're single in college. What I wondered, I wondered, did she? I, I had this question, like as I watched it, because that was the first time I I had seen it, and I wondered, did she remember afterward? I think there was kind of that question, and the next time it brings the scene around, did she recall? what had happened like was it in the bathroom oh yeah when she seemed yeah, so she's out like, of it I'm so hungover yeah yeah mm-hmm. so. i think she was just playing off the hookup yeah. she remembered i think so because then at the the luncheonette later yeah. she she, yeah. she referenced it but mm-hmm. that's interesting i didn't read that in the bathroom that way but i can see now 
how it could come off that way until you watch more and, and get more context. But I was a little confused by her behavior in the bathroom. I was like, is she avoiding him sort of, or does she really just face value feel that bad? And she's like, oh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. And I'm still kind of not. The whole storyline is kind of confusing to me because in the previous episode, Drew told her that he liked her Mm -hmm. and she kind of shot him down. I mean, she didn't, I guess this is the confusing. She didn't explicitly shoot him down. She didn't say, Mm -mm. no, I don't like you. No, nothing's ever going to happen between us. But she also didn't give any indication of like, oh, I'm interested in you too. Yeah. Right. I don't think she let him on, you know? And I think that her, in my opinion, her coming into the bathroom and acting like that, I'm sure she was hung over. Um, when I was that age, I did not get that hung over. So I think half of that's bullshit. <laughs> I think most of it was just him avoiding her, avoiding him, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, we yeah. don't make great decisions, whether it's a fun decision or not, whether it's a good or bad decision, you know, it's up to she other people to say, but yeah. well, of course she does it again. Because <laughs> well, I interpreted that shower scene as it just meant more to him than it did to her. Mm-hmm. Like, right. well, that happens. Yeah. Yes, people catch feelings. I just wish the conversation they had at the luncheonette I wish they'd had that conversation before they slept together. And I get that she was drunk when she had the idea to sleep with him. I do think she had the presence of mind to sleep with him. Like, I'm glad, like, everybody said that Drew checked and everything. So I I don't think it's that she didn't know, like, what she was doing or anything. I think she was maybe just uninhibited enough to, like, go for it or whatever. But maybe not with it enough to have, like, a conversation outlining boundaries and this is a hookup. But I thought, man, he really likes her and she knows that. And I thought... You know, like, tell him that that's what it is so he doesn't think this is more than it is, I think. Well, so that's what I'm thinking. Like, like talk about consent on the other side. Yes. If she's coming in after you just spilled your heart out to her, then it's like, oh, actually, she's reconsidered this and she is into me. Yeah, that's what and then right. it seems like. The next time it's like, oh, just kidding. And so really, she didn't establish the the boundaries and he may have read a little into it. So she really needed to, you know, get consent for what she was doing. Yeah. I didn't think it was fair. Melissa, though, I'm glad you mentioned just the timing of it, that if they'd had the same conversation before, it would have cleared things up because it made me really kind of not like her in the moment because, you know, I was cutting her a lot of slack because dating and hooking up is not a science. It's not exact. And signals are going to get mixed and misinterpreted. And I think a certain amount of that is like inevitable and comes with the territory. But like when she said- You you wouldn't want a relationship. Or- no. no. That to me felt completely disingenuous. I'm like, you know that he does mm. because he mm-hmm. already told you that. So now- At least he said that he liked her and wanted to be more than friends. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's like, yeah, you know, hook up with it. whoever you want. I don't blame you. Her explanation of- you know, I was really like straight laced in high school and now I just want to have a little more fun. I'm like, great. I, I understand that. Yeah, that's awesome. But then do that with someone who didn't who just also explicitly just tell fun. you they have feelings for you. Yeah. yeah. But I was also then confused when she comes to his door and he lets her in again. And now hearing this, I think, oh, maybe he actually is OK with that arrangement. Things just happen <laughs> out of order. Yeah. No. He's just taking what he can get. And let me tell you, he just ain't turning down. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not like they was lining up before. You know what I mean? That's just true. banging on. Not that we saw in the in the previous episodes, right? So I mean, come on, young kid, he's in college. 
you know, a, a good looking girl knocks on his door again. He's like, ah, oh, for a second, he's going to think about that. Maybe not even a second, a half a second. <laughs> I mean, stereotypically, yeah. I mean, I know a bunch of guys. I'm a guy. I'm just speaking. If, when I was 19 years old, I, I would have been the same. Yeah, yeah, I think that's accurate. Period. As a person who had sex with people when I was way too young to be having sex with people because I thought that maybe that meant love. Yeah. And like, if I do this, then you will love me. That's how I watched it. And so it's like, you know, I'm doing, she's doing this. So maybe this will help her fall in love with me. Um, maybe this will, you know, sway her in my direction. So I, that's the lens I saw it through. Yeah. I did feel like the whole plot line felt like a gender switch from mm-hmm. a story that we typically see, which is the guy wanting something casual mm-hmm. and the girl wanting more of a commitment. And it, it that did make it feel new to me. I really appreciated that because I think it is a stereotype to act like it's always that way. Yeah. And I, I totally bought this. I really believed that a guy would be more into something than the girl was. And I did appreciate that about it. And it felt very real, but... Man, it did make me sad. And I thought, well, Natalie should have been honest at the start, but I think Drew ideally should be honest as well and and say, this isn't enough for me. But maybe for now it is, you know, maybe for now he's like, I'll take what I can get, you know, Um, I like her, I'm into her. Yeah, whether it's hormones or just the path to love, I yeah, I think or both. Yeah, 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 some mixture. Yeah, what? It's more complicated than just black and white. <laughs> what, oh, Caleb? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Did we have any thoughts on the the way that um, Adam and and Crosby talked to him about stuff? I did have a note just that I was put off by Crosby asking his nephew about his sex life. <laughs> I have I have uncles that I enjoy talking to and I would <laughs> die if they <laughs> if they're like you getting any? Yeah. Look at the source. Mm. I mean, really? That that doesn't surprise anybody that he asked that though. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uncle That's or not. Uncle or not, he's never really treated him and his sister like nieces and nephews really much anyway. He's always been closer as a, in my opinion, I've always seen their relationship more as like brother, sister, brother, brother, you know, sibling type deal. I've never really seen him really interact. That's true. And it wasn't Adam. I mean, Adam was taking credit for them having some connection, but it was Crosby. Yeah. Flat (laughs) out. Of course. And that tracks. Yeah. (laughs) That does track. Yeah. (laughs) And that does help because. Crosby isn't the one weirdly obsessed with like his niece's virginity and his daughter's virginity. So um, that would have really pissed me off if Adam was like, you getting any, but then to, you know, Amber and Hattie, he's like nailing their, their (laughs) windows shut, you know, and your purity ring girl. Yes, exactly. Anyway. So I guess, yeah, Crosby doesn't do that. So maybe it's okay. Really? He's just more open talking about (laughs) sex with his relatives. Yeah. I mean, he lives in a boat, right? (laughs) He did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's Crosby's origin story. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Well, in the ongoing saga of Ashes of Rome. Ah, yes. All along this season, while the band has been on, I've noticed that all of the guys in the band look like regular band members. But then there's their drummer who looks like a model. Yes. And rewatching the series now, I think if you were really savvy about this, I think you'd know this 
guy is an actor because he's going to have to do something later on besides just be in this band. And it felt like in this episode, he actually started to have lines and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, yes, yes, here he is. He's an actual character. And I looked up if the actor, whose name is Matthew Atkinson, plays drums. And it turns out he does. Hey. This is from an interview with Soap Opera Digest. Fun. It said, Atkinson can play five instruments, saxophone, guitar, bass, piano, and drums. But he claims... I'm not proficient at five instruments. When it came to the drums, he learned to play quickly. Quote, I sat in and played drums, but I wouldn't call myself a drummer. When I shot Parenthood, they were like, we want a real drummer. And I was like, I can barely drum, just so you know. You're booking me off of acting alone, and hopefully the drumming will come around. I worked with Tyson Ritter of the All-American Rejects. That's who plays Oliver. He's an incredibly talented musician, and he came up to me and said, dude, that sounded really good. I was like, after eight episodes, I finally sound like a decently proficient drummer. That's interesting. Um, I, just quick side note: I think Tyson Ritter kind of looks like a model, like Oliver Rome. I think he is cuter than Zach. I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, I'm sorry, hot take. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we all have our own taste. I thought he kind of looks like Fran Lebowitz. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I also thought he had more chemistry with Amber, but um, that's just a whole other side thing. That's a good setup for this, though. No pine nuts in this? I would rather die than let there be a pine nut in your salad. I asked Caleb to clip that because that made me literally laugh out loud. And that's when I was like, <laughs> these two have chemistry. I know the show is not leading us down that path, but um, mm-hmm. the, the way the way she just was like, I would rather die than put... I'm like, this is like a real Sam Diane vibe. All right, the show's not going there. It's fine. <laughs> Um, but that's fine. Anyway, that was my hot take about, yeah. But you guys talk about Zach now. Zach the drummer. He's very handsome. Caleb? I like that one better. No, man. Melissa, we're split. Do you, when you say the other one, do you mean Tyson Ritter, the drummer? Do you mean her fiance, Ryan? I was talking about singer. Yeah, I'm with you, Caleb. Oh, and I'm with Jana. Tyson looks dirty to me. <laughs> Thank you. So Caleb W. Yeah. and I have the same taste and you two have the same taste. That's very Exactly, yeah, basically. That's yeah. where we are. That's yeah, fun. Yeah. What was going on with Ryan in this episode? Mm. I feel like we had lots of shots of him like lurking in the background, looking sort of jealous of Amber, like having any chemistry with anyone in the band. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't sure if we were supposed to think that that was a simmering issue that's going to be a problem down the road. Or is that what prompted him to do that proposal at mm. the end? I think it is. I think I think the jealousy did prompt the proposal. Because if I don't get her now, obviously she's wanted other places. Because there was chemistry between her and the drummer. Yeah. I mean, a very easy chemistry. Mm-hmm. And he saw how easy that was. I mean, unless he's blind as a bat. You know, um, he saw how easy that chemistry was. He's like, yeah, if you like it, then you better put a ring on it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that's, I guess I wasn't even noticing that until now there hadn't been a ring. Because I was thinking like, well, what was different about this proposal than the last one? But there was a ring. The ring kind of marks her as belonging to someone, I thought. like Like, he owns her. And he made a point he's like yeah i used my combat pay for it and he made it just even a bigger deal than it than it even was well in that case did you take that as a bad sign or can jealousy motivate us to make good decisions like 
hey, Ryan, if you're feeling jealous, why don't you propose more thoughtfully and put your money where your mouth is because you Mm. could lose her to someone else. And it doesn't have to be toxic and possessive. It could be like, I'm going to treat this thing that I really care about with the attention it deserves rather than just assuming it's okay the way it is. That is a very thoughtful question. And the way that you worded it, I think absolutely. However, in what I watched on the show, it was not that non-toxic version that you were talking about where it's like, let's just put this out in the open where everybody can see it. And I, I think all that lurking, there's just too much. It's too sinister. It's too... I'm, I'm watching this. I'm seeing this. It felt too possessive and then impetuous as a result of that. And too, too much cause and effect. Like if you want to marry someone, if you want to propose to someone and say, Hey, let's take this step in life together. Let's do this thing. That should be a mutual decision made from, we want to spend our lives together. We want to grow together. But the way that that was shot, it was, I am secretly watching you blossom and thrive and do well in this scenario. And now I'm going to reactively do this thing because I, it's like a dog peeing on a fire hydrant and you <laughs> marking its territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what I saw. <sighs> That's what I saw too. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I saw mean, it too. I just was bummed yeah, and yeah. looking for hope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, there was definitely jealousy there and, and, and I've never seen anybody make a good decision based off of jealousy. Well, to that end, I admire the show for making it subtle enough that I think some people could have interpreted it another way. Because I think you're all right. I think that (laughs) is what was going on. But I also feel like sometimes parenthood doesn't quite trust its audience and they make things very overt. Mm -hmm. But here it was like, yeah, maybe he's jealous or maybe he's just recommitting to her, doing it right this time. I no, think that I the think show, the, this this particular show is so full of the negative aspects of long-term relationships mm. that this can be, it almost could be the opposite of that. I and mean, we have a joyful proposal. They're both very happy in the end. She's got a ring, you know, it's all that fresh, you know, oh my goodness, we're now affianced officially. Oh, it's so sweet. Are you sure? <laughs> oh, and that, that was a nice contrast to all the negativity of the long-term relationships and how things can turn wrong. Yeah. And I setting us up for later. Yeah. I do want to say that I think things, you know, can be more than one thing at once. And I do think it was primarily motivated by jealousy and a desire for like the band to know, Hey, don't flirt with her. She has a fiance. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Like it wasn't just about her. It was about other people like Mm -hmm. having a signal. I thought so too, but, but I also think that he loves her. You know, and and that yeah. he did want to make her feel special, you know, and, and so I think it can be all of those things at once, but I don't think it was, yeah, just a beautiful gesture born of nothing. <laughs> I wondered, I had a little question about, so, like, Jana, I loved how you put this, that she was like flourishing. You're right. She seemed extra, like sort of touchy with everybody and not in a way that I feel judgy about it. I was just noticing that I hadn't really seen that up before this episode. So part of me was like, is this just convenient for the storyline that she's a little bit, you know, more touchy feely with everyone? Or is this meant to sort of signal how comfortable she is at her job and she's doing so well, you know, in the same episode where she has this idea and it's a really good idea, it works out so well. 
And for Ryan to look at that and take away jealousy, when every time she sees him, she doesn't look guilty. She's happy to see him. She rushes yeah, over I and kisses that. him. Yeah, okay. so it's not like she thinks she's flirting or doing anything wrong. And I don't think she is. You know, I just wondered, is he right to feel jealous? Or is it he's taking something that should be about her doing well at her job and feeling confident and he's just like reducing it down to she has chemistry with these guys and they're not me you know i was curious what you guys thought of that or that she's finding fulfillment or happiness even take the band away but like oh are you getting joy from your job instead of without him maybe yeah it's nice to get some joy really i mean historically she's (laughs) she's been really negative and reserved all the time and to see her blossom like that was really cool though yeah you know to really see her come in like you said melissa how comfortable she felt there she hasn't felt comfortable very many places in the past no No. so it's really cool to see her coming to her own i thought yeah and that makes me think of like how embarrassed she was when she didn't get in to college anywhere and and how hard she worked at that coffee shop and mm-hmm. still made no money. She must be very self-conscious about her achievements or lack of achievements. Or when she worked for Bob Little, he kissed her. So it was yeah. like all mm-hmm. linked in And so to be that. at a job where her boss, yes, it's her uncle, says, you know, good job, Amber. Good idea. When her idea really pays off. This is helping me a lot because I also wondered what was going on with her in this episode. For instance... The scene between her and Christina. Yeah. How did he even propose? <laughs> you really want to hear that story? Yeah. I mean, it's a great story. I love telling it. Mm-hmm. It's, um, gosh, I feel like it was like a lifetime ago. Um, I was so young. We were both so young. And he actually proposed to me the day after Valentine's Day. <laughs> like, who does that? But it was so sweet because he knew how much I hated Valentine's Day. I think it's like... I don't know, so manufactured and fake and just like for everybody else. So he decided to ask me to marry him on the 15th. God, it was so cool. It was like both in grad school, you know, we'd only been living together for about a month. And we woke up early one morning and it was just this really gray and sort of rainy romantic morning. And we were lying in bed, the two of us. Um, and listening to the rain. And he reached out and grabbed my hand and he asked me if I would spend the rest of my life with him. It was so simple and just so pure and it sounds corny, but it was just beautiful. (laughs) And it just made sense. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same about Ryan and you know, something I'll always treasure. It was the one thing in my life that that just made sense. Still does. So based on Amber's reaction to that, it seemed like maybe she was starting to have doubts about marrying Ryan, which seemed a little out of left field for me because this whole season has been her like fighting her mom about how passionately she wants to get married. And I, at first I thought is, has Sarah rubbed off on her? Is it finally sinking in? Like, did it plant a seed of doubt? But now I'm wondering if it was more that I think it's a very human thing. You just want something special to happen to you. You want something in your life that feels like a big deal and that you got something to look forward to. And that was I'm engaged. 
But now maybe she has something at work that also makes her feel that way and maybe doesn't come with all that baggage. Mm. Speaking of. Baggage. Yeah, all that baggage. And (laughs) is she now feeling like, oh, if I can get that from somewhere else, then maybe it's not absolutely necessary Mm. to marry Ryan right now. I I think she still loves him. Yeah. But what do you guys think of that? uh, or, Or what was your interpretation of those moments of, seeming doubt from amber oh that's no shit moment right there <laughs> yeah that's exactly what that is i mean guys it's been a shit show the whole time you know what i mean maybe whether she's fighting for him or not you've got i mean yeah in the back of her head yeah that's a no shit moment i mean that's that's uh oh that's what that's supposed to feel like mm. that mm. didn't feel like that and you can see that oh. all over her face Man. right or amber yeah right Maybe and and I don't know. I haven't seen the the next episodes or anything, but maybe that getting that perspective and and perhaps I, I don't know if it's just hearing it from Christina helped to give her another side of it to consider something else, or maybe it just confirmed something that she may have been feeling just internally and couldn't put words to. But where she she's getting a certain feeling, perhaps successfully from work, she's. She's got something good going on. And then here's this thing that everybody tells you is the best and it's wonderful. And then she hears someone's wonderful story and is like, oh, well, mine's sort of the Kmart version of that. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let me, if you want to edit that out. Um, <laughs> Our Kmart sponsors. But I kind of wonder, it sort of feels on the nose to me that they that they chose to do that because I don't know. I mean, we live in a world and I guess 2013 was before promposals, but we, we live in this world where we sensationalize all of these things. And and I remember being in school and these girls in elementary school had their weddings planned. So it seems a little strange to me that, that it might be the first time that she would have ever considered like, Oh, it's magical. And he does something special for me. Then again, you know, like what Caleb was saying earlier, her life has just been really rocky and really, really rough. And so maybe that's just what she, she gets, you know, she gets the Kmart version of it, but now she's seeing that she doesn't deserve that. She can have something more. Yeah. I liked that Christina's story was not a big flashy story. That's what I was going to say. Cause actually Amber's first proposal was much flashier. It was, I don't know if, uh, yeah, he came home from, you know, Afghanistan. Yes. And -hmm. then in front of everybody proposed to her, like got down Uh, on his uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was the prom. It was. But if you, but if you remember Amber's face though, in that episode, it wasn't all just in in my opinion. I don't think it was just as much shock as there was happiness. Mm. If I'm remembering, I think it she was pretty taken aback. I don't think she yeah, was expecting. Right? She so, thought he might be breaking up with her. She was yeah, worried. Yeah. yeah. And let me tell you, and, and that that rarely works out, guys. Just don't. From my experience, <laughs> it just rarely works out. Okay. What, what marriage? No. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> that too. There's only, there's only one common denominator in my marriage. But yeah, that rarely works out when you come rushing back from a combat zone and be like, oh, I want to get married. Yeah, I bet you do. And you are speaking from experience on this. Speaking from a lot of experience. Yeah. Yeah. We we did not mention that. Just about did the same damn thing, but I didn't get married. You know. Wow. You're a veteran, Caleb? Yes, yes, sir, I am. 
Wow. I was a sergeant in the infantry with the uh, 10th Mountain Division. Were you overseas? Yeah, I was in Iraq in the first wave in, in 03. Oh, my spring gosh. Of 03 in the summer of 03. How long were you de- like deployed total, if that's the even right term? About nine months. Wow. Seven and a half months. God, something like that. I cannot wrap my head around that. Long enough. I guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah. And you were in a relationship while you were overseas? Yes, I was. So that's similar yeah, to Amber and Ryan because they were apart about that long and then came yeah, back. Yeah. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you thought about that. Yeah, I came back, basically did the same thing. When he did that, I remember going, oh, man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that shit. Oh, don't do that shit. Please don't buy a ring. Please don't buy a ring. This makes me wonder, another question I had, Amber and Ryan's first conversation about switching from City Hall to a ceremony, I thought was a pretty healthy conversation mm-hmm. like she said oh no my mom's on board and i thought he seemed genuinely happy that it wasn't like oh you're changing plans on me again i want to do this without your family it wasn't that at all he was like oh great i'm glad she's on board but i thought he does seem in a rush mm-hmm. to make the wedding happen yeah and even when he proposes to her the last thing he says is now it's official yeah. and i thought is it like a sign of stability and recovery to him like, well, if I'm married to her, then that must mean I'm getting better because I'm settling down and I've got something reliable. And and if that is what it is, is that necessarily a bad thing? Because I think Amber probably is a stabilizing force in his life. And people are often stabilizing forces for people. And I think if you have a relationship like that, you should hold on to it and foster it. Mm-hmm. But I think it could also be really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And and I've man calling Amber a uh, what'd you score you call her a stabilizing, uh, stabilizing force. <laughs> that is kind of ironic. Shit. I mean shit. <laughs> she's right? pretty volatile. Right. I mean, you know, um yeah, I remember when I did it, I was almost like, Oh wow, now I need to get my shit together. Mm-hmm. And that kind of seemed like one of the one of the natural steps to getting your shit together. I um, still haven't done that yet. I'll let you know when I do. But it seemed like well, that was a natural step. Um, thank goodness I had some friends of mine that had taken that step and it let me know in no uncertain terms I was being a fucking idiot. And you don't have to marry her. You can still love her and y'all can still date and you can date for a long time. Date for another two years. Get married when you get out of the army. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I had some really good Really good background singers telling me telling me <laughs> where I, where I needed to be at in, in the song, I guess. But yeah, it's um, that's metaphor. That's good. But yeah, it that's in my opinion, and that's never a good thing, right? To latch on to something that you just think is a stabilizing force because it's a stabilizing force, and then maybe it's, at some point, like you'll stabilize. That's kind of throwing like a a quarter into a bucket and saying oh, maybe my wish will come true that's not <laughs> yeah i mean that's beginning it on false pretenses right yeah like you 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 might do you might love her you might care for her but that's really not why you're doing it yeah right you break it down that's that's really not why you're doing it and that's probably why i wasn't doing it wow. you know i was doing it for other reasons other than the fact that i did love her and i liked her you know she was cool it seemed like, you know, yeah, I could spend some time with her the rest of my life. Maybe not, but, you know, whatever. My dad was married a bunch of times, too. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's in my mind, in my opinion, that's that's just never a good thing to start off a relationship with, especially not a damn marriage, you know? Yeah. Shit. I think that's a really good point because I was thinking, like, 
you know, you can fall in with the wrong crowd and that can lead you to make bad choices. And, and it's like, but the opposite is true, right? But I think the point you made that's so good is that that can be true, but it shouldn't be the reason mm-hmm. to be with someone because that's not why you marry someone. It's still maybe a good idea. Yeah, have people like Amber in your life if they make you make healthier choices and put you in a happier frame of mind, but you should only marry them if you love them. That's right. It can't, like you said, can't be for another reason. Otherwise, then you're just like building your house on sand. Exactly. But, and, and my experience obviously wasn't in combat um, and doing it, but I, I got married my, my first marriage. I five Caleb multiple marriages <laughs> were, it was, it was, it was on a foundation of, of sand and it was, similar yet different in that this is what I need to do in order to create stability. I have graduated from college. Uh, it's time. I, I've got to get married. That is the next step. And I've, I'm one of those people who I, I needed a family because my family is broken. And so I, mm. I was like, I, I mean, Melissa was at my wedding was. Um, and, and it, he's a, he's a great human being, but I got married for the wrong reasons. And I think when we're young, when we've gone through a lot, we think family this person is going to fill all those voids and is going to fix everything for me. And together we can do it, you know, whatever, maybe it's just the stars in your eyes, the false hopes of, of youth and naivete. But I think it's a very, very reasonable thing for a person who doesn't have other, it it somehow maybe has something going on mentally where they don't have another fail safe to help them to make a better decision. In the way that Amber's mom has been trying to help her make a better decision, but but in my life, I guess it's actually more like Amber's, where it's like I failure, failure, failure. Life was really, really rough, and this opportunity has presented itself, and it it should be good. I'm told it's good. It's going to be great. Yes, dive in, and yeah, you know, that's such a good point. And we know Amber and Ryan are both from broken homes. Mm-hmm. That Ryan's dad died and his mom remarried and the stepdad was not a good guy, is not a good guy. And Amber, even with this huge extended family, I think we're meant to understand that before the pilot, she was not around this family all that much. Mm -hmm. She was on her own, single mom, dad was very in and out of the picture. Right. It's just tough. That feeling of I need to fix my family. Makes sense. And then the fact that they do genuinely love each other, which I I do still believe, but it almost complicates things. Like <laughs> it makes you think that it's for the right reasons, even if it maybe isn't. Yeah, it's just not it's not a fix. Mm-mm. It's a it's another it's actually throwing a wrench. Marriage throws a wrench into things and, and it's a wonderful thing, but you have you have to be prepared that it's gonna throw more wrenches than it is going to be a fix. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I was going to say earlier about Christina's proposal, because Caleb H, I was with you. I didn't understand in the moment, like what the significance of that scene was. But after talking with all of you a little bit more, here are some of my thoughts. I think that maybe she is actually responding to the sincerity of that moment, like Adam proposed to Christina knowing she hated Valentine's Day. So he did it the day after as something for her. And then also it was private. It was just them. So it wasn't for anyone else. She didn't even, I don't think, mention the ring, which isn't until later in the episode, but still. And so I just think maybe the fact that it was like not really rushed. They were a little bit older in grad school. 
it was not dramatic at all. And it's this couple that's still rock solid. So they've stood the test of time. Maybe she's just responding sort of to the stability of that, you know, and, and thinking about all of that. And also the thing with Sarah is you're right. That's all she's done all season is fight with her mom about this. But now that her mom is no longer in her way, is no longer an obstacle, now she has to face facts that nothing is stopping her. There's no external force to beat against, if that makes sense. So now it's just up to her to think, is this what I want? (laughs) Nobody's Mm -hmm. stopping me anymore. And so I'm not just fighting for it almost unthinkingly, you know, (laughs) like almost without thought. I'm... Yeah. Well, and Christina ending it all with it just made sense. Yeah. It does beg the question, Amber, does this make sense to you? <laughs> and if it doesn't, and there's no one stopping you, yeah. then yeah, you either have to silence that voice or confront it. Yeah. Right. There's no, no one to rebel against except for your own conscience. Yes. Yeah. Well put. Adulting's hard. It is. <laughs> I also want to point out that there was some new information backstory wise in Christina's story. The fact that they both were in grad school. I don't mm-hmm. think we ever knew that. Yeah. We did infer in a pretty recent episode that they met in college mm-hmm. and that they were both at Cal. But so presumably they both have master's degrees. That's cool. And they were presumably, again, at least 22 when they got engaged. So she said they were young, but she didn't say a number. I'm thinking, if you're both in grad school and you didn't like go to school early. Yeah and you're at least 22 or older. And I was thinking in season one, Adam was 40, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was. And he had a 15 or 16-year-old daughter. And I thought, this all tracks. That could be correct. You know, they could have gotten engaged at 23 or married at 24, and then two years later had a baby. And And they weren't virgins because they were living together. There's another thing. There you go. Well, they were at least holding hands, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's shift to Max and Hank. Do you still like her? No. No, I like her as a friend. If you don't like her, then why don't you throw the picture away? Because it's a good picture, and maybe I just want to keep it. Because you like her. No, Max! Well, now you're raising your voice, which means you're angry or frustrated. I'm not angry. I'm frustrated, maybe, yeah. Look, Max, your, your Aunt Sarah and I, yeah, we did like each other once, and then we stopped. And that's what happens. It's adult stuff, and it's messy, and it's weird. And, you know, we were different people, okay? I'm cranky. She's flaky. We both had baggage. It didn't work out. That's the point. Yeah, baggage. Baggage. That's the stuff that you bring into a relationship if you want to ruin it. That doesn't make any sense. Suitcases are for trips. That's right. Exactly right. It's a trip. It's a long trip with a big suitcase full of pain. That sounds like a metaphor. I don't like metaphors. All right, well, then stay out of my drawers. I will say that Hank is so winning with Max. That is a dynamic combo. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's pure gold every time. So (laughs) So I wondered here, I thought Hank's explanation of keeping the picture rang 100% true to me. Like, it was a nice picture. And why would a professional photographer throw away a good picture? Yeah. But of course, I was like, of course, we're not meant to believe him. Yeah. But I thought, is there anything he could say in this situation to actually convince anyone that he didn't still like Sarah. I actually think throwing a picture away is a much more active 
thing to do. Yeah. yeah like I'm angry. I hate her. It's like cutting someone's head out or something. I'm like, <laughs> I have pictures of every stage of my life and I haven't like dramatically thrown them away. You know what I mean? Like, and so he's a photographer. He's got pictures everywhere. I, I didn't think that was weird at all. I and it th- wasn't out. Like, no. He didn't have a shrine to her. No. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like by his bed. It was in a drawer. I, I was, I don't know. I, I thought, you know, it made sense. They had to have like something push this along, but I didn't think it was a red flag or I didn't flag it. That never came. That's a great explanation. He's a photographer. It's a good picture. <laughs> that never went into my head. Yeah. You were like, he loves her. Clearly. Like. Yeah. Which I also think exactly. is true. I think that's yeah, true yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Max. I mean, he's he's uh, he's super awkward anyway. Not Max. Hank's super awkward anyway. So yeah. as he's stuttering and ah 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 ah, to me, he does that half the time he speaks anyway. But his face said everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. it did. I didn't know. I don't know Hank, and I don't know their relationship. And I didn't. I was like, oh, okay. Evidently, they had a relationship. But I have like cards and letters that I have. And Melissa, I've got some from you that you've written me in in the past. And I have them in this bag. Baggage. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah, it's literally in a bag. I don't know why you're bringing shit up. You want me not to? I don't give a shit. Go ahead. Mm. By the way, I just got really country right there. You might want to cut that out. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Keep it. So so I, I just have this. It's just my bag of cards. I have stuff that my grandma wrote me, stuff from friends, just whatever. And I had a note that my first husband wrote to me in it too. And it's just in there, whatever. And Caleb one time, I didn't know what it was and went and opened it up. And the one thing that he pulled out uh, was, was that letter. And I and literally, I went through it and it was the only thing <laughs> left from my first marriage. And it like, it hurt him. Like, I just don't, I, and I know why now, because I know who she is. And I know that she keeps, it's like, this woman won't keep, a shirt she hadn't worn in three months, but she's going to keep a paper. She's going to keep a note. She's going to keep cards. And I understand that now. I throw everything away. I get rid of shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not because I'm mad, just half of it. I don't want to have to pack it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm just, I just get rid And it doesn't bother me now. I have pictures of, like, there's pictures of my first ex-wife here, but it's got my kids in it and everything else. I mean, it's nothing like that, but yeah, but now I know the kind of person she is, but that is, I saw it. It was on the floor. It fell out. I picked it up. I read it. And that's a one. I was like, Oh hell. What, what, you know, but yeah. it's kind of, kind of it took me back a little bit. You know, no, that's super interesting. Yeah. Well, the reason I showed that was just to say that I didn't actually know where it was going. So I thought that it could possibly be, um, that he just had it because he's a photographer and because mm. that's what he does. And sometimes people just keep things that are from the past. And if it wasn't, and I don't know how traumatic the end of their relationship was, but if it was just a time in the life, mm-hmm. then I'm like you, Melissa, where it's it was just a time in the life and I have record of it. And here it is. I felt it to be quite innocuous. Yeah, no, that's really well put. I'm kind of like like you, Jana. I just I've I've held on to things, and I think it could be troubling if like holding on to something means too much to a person. You know, like if Hank really did go look at that photo every night and go, "What might have been?" You know, hey, just baby. sigh, my life. What it? You know, I think that might mean he shouldn't have it. You know, like it like like it might hurt him, and maybe to get closure, he he shouldn't have mm-hmm. it. But I think mm-hmm. it's good to remember 
that we had full lives before we met the people we're with. Like, that's actually something, going back to Ryan for a minute, Ryan keeps saying these things that make me a little troubled because he keeps saying, my life started when I met you. And I'm like, no, it didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we shouldn't act like that's true. And so I think there's like a balance. We shouldn't make the past too important to where we're not able to be present with who we're with. But I think we shouldn't pretend it didn't exist and and try to like act like when we're in a new relationship or we're like wiping the slate clean or something, you know, where it's, it's one of the reasons I've, I always hated that idea that like, you know, women, you're supposed to be virgins because your virginity is a gift. And it's like, Ugh. like, you know, it's like, no, you're a gift. Like just you being a person to each other. That's the gift you give each other. And the gift comes with what Hank calls baggage, but really it's with history and experience and a full life. And pain. And pain, which, yes, is part of it. A shitload of pain. A shitload of pain. So, yeah. And I think, and I, I guess to, like, round mine out, and I asked Caleb if it was okay if I shared that because, like, now, he, as he said, he, he gets it. But early in our relationship, he didn't know me well enough to know that. And I think that that's a, that's a good sign for me that, I, that we made the right decision to get married, that, that he gets me in, in doing that. But it is a very immature response. And if you can't let that go or or evolve and understand when it's like something from a person's past creeping back in or affecting it, or, you know, maybe you have kids or, or whatever, then it's just not going to work out. So I'm sorry about your happy wedding day, but after that's going to suck. <laughs> well, and like you just said, Melissa, I think there is a way to hold on to that stuff that could be very bad. So I think it's a fair question. If you find something like that to say, why are you holding on? Yeah. To this? But depending on the answer, then you got to be able to let it go if the reason is an acceptable one. Yeah. Well, what did you make of Sarah's reaction to hearing that Hank has been talking about her to Max? Listen, I, uh, I, what am I trying to say? It's sad sometimes that it's over between us. Yeah. But it's over. I know that. Yeah, I know, I know. We discussed that. Right. Discussed that a while ago. It's just that, um, you know, Max being here has been so great for him and he feels like you're his best friend. But then um, he said a bunch of stuff at the dinner table about us that was so surprisingly intimate for, I mean, for you to have talked to him. And so I just wanted to make sure that you, you know, you can't be talking to him about he, me. He, first of all, he was talking to me, okay? I, I, I'm sorry that you came up. It wasn't that I came up, it was well, all the content of- I don't know what you want me to say. It's like 20 questions with this kid, that's but all. But you're the I, adult, you don't have to give him 20 answers. That's all I'm saying. It's not like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting writing your love songs and singing it to him, okay? Yeah. I know. Uh, uh, I'm not saying that you are you doing know, anything like that. He came to like me, that, Max, okay? and I thought I was doing something good for you this kid. You are doing something and, good. And, all, and, and look, I don't like this, you know, no. this is, he, he look, he's, I got a business to run, and, and, and maybe he just shouldn't be here because he's, he is no. a little grating. Don't. And, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm not that's saying what he I shouldn't am. be I am here. saying that, okay? I got to do things around here, and I shouldn't have a kid. Walking around here, okay? No, this is please. a business. It's a business. I got Don't a, do I got a job to do right now. I got to do. Uh, I got to do a shoot right now. Okay. So, do you think Sarah had a right to go and clear up some boundaries with Hank? 
Of course she did. I think she had a right to go clear up boundaries, of course. I will say that something that I really relate to about this storyline is that my mom and I used to get really blurred boundaries um, because we knew so many of the same people. So like my mom was the babysitter for the kids of two of my friends. She was friends with the moms of several of my friends. Um, I'm realizing as I'm talking about this that Jana was like blissfully never entangled. <laughs> she was not one of my friends. Where, but like several people were and it kind of caused some problems um, in my life for a while. Like my mom was in a bad relationship, which I've mentioned before, and he made her very jealous and untrusting as he was leaving. It was like kind of his parting shot. And so suddenly things that mom had never had like a problem with before, she was being very like critical of like my mark, you know, she was like saying, you know, like, oh, he's friends with women, which I actually think is one of Mark's greatest qualities. that He sees <laughs> women as people. Um, but anyway, like she, and then she would like give her opinion to her friends who were the moms of my friends. And like, it just got very muddy and muddled and, and it would become like a game of telephone and things would get lost in translation. And I just remember feeling like, even though I was about like, I don't know, 25 at that point, I felt like such a little kid. I'm like so enmeshed in her world. And I thought being an adult is getting to make your own decisions and having a life that isn't totally tied in with your mom's life, if that makes sense. I mention this because it's the most I've probably felt sympathetic uh, towards Hank because he's just living his life. He's working. He doesn't seem to be acting inappropriately about Sarah at all. He has a picture. Max asks him about it and he answers it. He's on the spot and in the moment. And I thought he didn't say anything wrong. And then filtered through Max, like again, a game of telephone at a family dinner. It sounds like Hank is like hung up on her and is lovesick and is like just ranting and raving about her. And I don't think that's what happened at all. And it, I understood, even though I think Hank and Max are very special, and I'm really glad that the resolution of the storyline was him saying, yes, it is, and this is worth all that drama, I got why he at first was like, well, then I'm just not going to have him around. Because this is what happens sometimes when you do have these en entangled, enmeshed lives. I mean, honestly, my life was really difficult for years because of my mom's relationship ending and then her not trusting men, any men, including, you know, my wonderful husband, who she now, you know, and, and she loved him then too. Anyway, I'm maybe rambling, but do you know what I mean? It's like, it's a hard thing when those boundaries get crossed. And I think mm -hmm. it's part of why I feel so strongly that boundaries are incredibly important. You have got to fight for like your own life and, and your, what you have. She definitely came in hot. Oh, Sarah did. But it was skewed. But she got skewed information too. She definitely she did. Had, she had a right to go say what she said. She came a little hot. You know what I mean? The, I think the subject line was all right, but seek to understand. Yeah, and see, I thought she came in pretty gently. Like I thought, we've seen her get pretty <laughs> hot about lots of things, and I thought she was being pretty well, reasonable. Is not a great word because I don't think you were calling her unreasonable. But you're right. It just it was it was a tele game of telephone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I 
I totally get why she would go in and say, based on what she thought was happening, can you just be a little more thoughtful about what you're telling him? But he actually wasn't telling him anything Mm -hmm. all that intimate. Yeah. And it really did break my heart, though, that he said he was going to stop having Max come around because I understood it, too. It seems like, Mm -hmm. yeah, just don't even... Don't even Make go my life there. Easier. Let's, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's set this boundary. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is what it's going to bring. It did, though, kind of remind me of all the stuff that went down with Mark mm-hmm. when Hank started saying, "You know, I don't want this." Mm-hmm. I feel like he said that when things started to get really messy with Mark too. Yeah, and he he tried to back out and said, "I don't, I don't want this." And I thought, is this a pattern in Hank that he oh. gets himself into situations? but is so averse to dealing with the consequences. That could be too. That he then tries to just withdraw, but when it's really too late. Like, <laughs> you're in it you're now. You're in it, yeah. You can't just... You're Max's best friend. Like, you're just right. gonna... You should have him not come around after, like, twice. <laughs> like, like, Yeah, and then I felt bad for Sarah because I don't think she meant... No. ...to do that. No. But, yeah... Tough. Let's just say Sarah doesn't really think about a lot of shit she does either. That's true. <laughs> that is I true. mean, come on. So no. it was a really adult thing that she was doing, and ultimately it ended up well. Mm-hmm. In the end, just not in the moment. I was glad that Hank changed his mind. Yeah, me too. I think he just probably felt cornered in that moment. Mm-hmm. And with some time, realized there was a way to navigate this. Yeah. Or she's just trying to get Sarah back. Well, or that. <laughs> or that. Although I really do believe that his relationship with Max is separate from that. Yeah. I do think that. And I don't often give Hank the benefit of the doubt, I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad that Sarah can see that. Because I know when they first started, I wondered a little bit, like, would Sarah be within her right to say, I don't really want my nephew hanging out with my ex. I'm glad that she has been able to see how beneficial that is to him and put that ahead of any discomfort she might have. Yeah. Because I think that would be hard. I think so. Again, it's like harder to have a clean break when you've got all these entanglements. Yeah. It's like, what if she doesn't really want to be friends with Hank? Although they've kind of established that they're friendly exes. But maybe she wouldn't see him nearly as often if he just wasn't constantly, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, she needs to borrow his equipment. That's right. That's that. <laughs> yes, they've established that too. Yeah, I guess they would be in each other's lives anyway. I think that's different. I think it would be different if there was no chance she would ever see him, if not for Max. Then I might be like, okay, no, like this guy, you know, so. Well, here's a less philosophical question. What is the timeline in this episode? Because at the end of the last episode, when Camille told Zeke that she was going to Italy, it was presented as though it was within the week. Mm -hmm. She said, they leave Friday. Not next Friday, Friday. So not only does everything in this episode occur within a single week, but everything between the last episode and this one and in this episode happens in less than a week? That is a lot. All the stuff with the band. Oh, yeah. How fast did they throw that concert together? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was just a little confused. And then all the plans that Camille made. I mean, that I buy. I I believe that if Camille's leaving the country in a few days, she'll get it done. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Anyway, I was just a little perplexed by that. The first comment I had about the whole Camille storyline was that dinner table conflict where she brought up the trip. 
was super awkward. And it just highlighted to me how very TV this conflict felt. Like in real life, I don't know that I can imagine a person as sensible as Camille deciding about the art trip in the way that she did in the last episode. And this is one of the reasons it puts Zeke in this very uncomfortable situation. Because of course, when she announces it, everyone's going to say, why aren't you going? And I think the answer he eventually gives Adam that he wasn't invited, that's the truth. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's a lot motivating that stuff, but Camille did not ever ask him to go on that specific trip. She said, I want to travel. And that was kind of contingent upon selling the house. And I I don't know, I, I kind of actually felt bad for Zeke, even though I'm so glad Camille is going. Mm-hmm. And I think she deserves to go on her own if she wants to. But if he were to say that in that moment, well, your mom didn't invite me. Then he's just throwing her under the bus, which would be a real dick move, even if she did kind of bring it on herself. (laughs) I don't know why she doesn't just say, well, it's with my art class, so it's not really a couple's trip. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Right? Yeah. That's the obvious answer. Well, so then is it intentional writing? Because, yeah, I mean, it is awkward and it puts it in that, but but she appears to be like that impulsive 20 something who's just flying away and doing what she wants and to hell with baggage. Like she's leaving it all behind and I I guess throwing caution to the wind and, and not really thinking things through. So it's a lot younger behavior because she's been reserved. She's, she's always been the reliable one, right? So this is one of the first times that she's really done something that's, that's her own damn thing. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting parallel. I mean, I know we're going to talk about Julia soon, but you know, she sees that and it's a cautionary tale. And I, I don't know, I, I see Camille doing it and maybe it is to incite drama or maybe it's just that stupid. I haven't thought through things because I'm thinking like a, a child mm. and, and being that impulsive, but I thought it actually felt fresh and uber dramatic in the way that teenage girls can be uber dramatic. Interesting. That's true. But then she's also gathering his prescriptions for him and Right. Out his I list. guess that's the her acting her age. Right. Well, she's got to she's got to here is here and yeah. there is there. And she's looking forward to to there. I think it might be like, uh, you know, this new identity that she can take on and this freedom that she can have there. But, but yeah, she hasn't lost her experience. She's got to then take care of him. And that's that's the baggage. Right. Having like here are the pills. Yeah. Here's this. OK, pretty soon I'll be free of this mm. Friday. 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 <laughs> Whenever that is. Yeah. It's a mystery. <laughs> I don't know. I I think the the thing I'm thinking of is I just recently went, uh, it wasn't Italy, but it was Philadelphia for AWP, um, you know, writers convention. And Mark and I even talked about him going. He loves Philadelphia. But I had to take three days off work. And, you know, Mark didn't want to do that because he's not going to the writer's convention, you know, we'd have to get a dog sitter. And also I'm going to go to panels and to hang out with writers and to do things the whole time. And so we both pretty quickly were like, it doesn't make sense for this to be a you and me trip. This is just going to be a Melissa trip. But I think the difference is Zach and (laughs) I said Zach, um, (laughs) Z. The drummer the is drummer going with Camille. Going with Camille. Now that is a nice job, Camille. Oh, Nicely done. Changed it up. <laughs> Zeke and Camille do not have. I would like to see that. I actually kind <laughs> of am here for it. No, um, but Zeke and Camille do not have that conversation. She just sort of announces to him that she's going, 
and doesn't invite him, doesn't open it up for discussion where they together agree it doesn't make sense for him to go. So what does that but, say about your relationship versus their their yeah. marriage? You know, like they are broken and she has never been the way that you and Mark are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she just flipped it on Zeke is all she did. Zeke didn't ask her to do shit. Zeke just does shit. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's, that's yes. been his MO. She does, he does it. Zeke does what Zeke wants. That right? is true. Yeah. Always has. He's always a guy, but don't ask him. He'll tell you exactly what, what he wants to tell you, you know? Yeah. So I think she just flipped the script on him. Um, and I think she's got a lot of conflict with herself. Or should I go? Should I not go? Even though she has made the decision to go, you can tell there's conflict when she looks at him after she hands him the list and explains it to him and everything else. There's conflict there, but she's still going because she needs to. Yeah. And she knows that. It's hard. The way she did it was unreasonable, but it was because all the reasonable ways weren't working. (laughs) So it was like, it's hard to know how responsible now she is for the fallout of this unreasonable decision that he pushed her to feel like she had to make. Like, they are broken. <laughs> You're right. Like in a they in are. a way. Yeah. I really yeah. love I'm skipping ahead, but I really love when she left at the end. I thought it was really a very poignant goodbye because they had both been so I mean, the whole series of events leading up to that was so fraught. Yeah. With all this friction. But they also do still love each other. Yeah. Like I think she's very sad to be away from him for a month, and I think he's a little sad that she's going and and so that was really genuine the way she put her did she put her hand on his chest i think so yeah Yeah. it's just very that was yeah sweet Mm -hmm. and i thought yeah "Yeah, that's life and like you're so mad at each other but that doesn't mean you hate each other she never gets mad at me (laughs) ever (laughs) no you (laughs) i don't know you know Jana, earlier you were like, well, you know, the difference between like Mark and me and Zeke and Camille, and there are many, of course, but another one is that I don't have any reason to like sort of rebel, if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. I feel valued and Camille doesn't. And I think Caleb Hoyer, I think you've said in a previous episode, you, you wonder if like this is maybe a move on Camille's part to be like, what are you going to do without me? You know, you, you act like you've got it totally. Am I, does that sound like something you said? I did. I floated that. Maybe you just floated it as a, is this a I possibility? Think I floated, Cause I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That, but that it could have been a retaliatory. Yeah. I just wonder, maybe that's true. Like, like on some level, you know, like you take me for granted here live here for a month without me. You don't know how the grocery store works as your kids pointed out. So yeah, I don't know. I think even that comment shows how very important it is to have a relationship and, and looking back at the Amber thing where it's, there's not, there's not a balance um, and they're, they're diving into it for the wrong reasons. And then on the back end, you see Zeke and Camille, Camille's relationship and how there isn't a balance. And, you know, one is, right now it looks like you know going in to like oh no there are a lot of red flags don't do it don't do it because look on the back end at, at what happens and yeah you're with that person and it, you can be in love with a person and, and even be with the right person and it's still not work out mm-hmm. and it ends or 
it feels really, really hard because there isn't balance. And so I think, you know, back to your relationship with Mark, Melissa, I mean, you guys have always had a sense of balance Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's what helps to keep it strong. And it would be, it's interesting. I wonder if the reason she is going is, is a rebel thing because it's like, you can't. And, and so, yeah, I'm going to tip that scale the other way and show you, or if it's more selfish and it's like, no, I'm just going to tip the scales to me because they're never, never tipped to me. Like, yeah. Right. So I'm going to make that happen because I can. Hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might also just be a realization for her because she tried and tried mm-hmm. to have this conversation with him he and get him on board and it wasn't working. He's like, I've seen and the world. Sort of I like don't want to travel. Yeah. Sort of like she realized, mm-hmm. oh, I don't actually need your permission. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fully functioning you know, human. I can't go to Italy without you. Watch me. Yeah. I- yeah. Well, here, let's hear what she tells Julia about why she's going. So this is top of the line. Wow. Guaranteed to fit into 90% of overhead compartments. Really? Wow, yes. it looks top of the line. Oh my gosh, when I was traveling so much for all those depositions, it saved my life. This, the wrinkle-free compartment, holds so many clothes. Really? I went on their website and I wrote a testimonial. It's... Is that good? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. So You're thoughtful welcome. of you. You're my thoughtful girl. Are you sure you're not going to need this? Yes, I am sure. It's just taking up room in the closet. So wow. this is, <laughs> this is for you. This is for Italy. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for doing this. Me too. Yeah. You know, Dad and I have been together so long. We've been practically joined at the hip. I forget sometimes that we're two separate people. You know, he's such a big personality, you know, a huge presence in the room. This time it's not about him, it's about me, about what I want, what makes me happy. I'm going to Italy. It's about me, about the other person in the marriage. What? Oh. Sweetie, I'm just so happy for you. First of all, literal baggage. Literal baggage. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Oh my god. Do you think that's why they made such a big deal out of it because of the because of the baggage? I bet. I I wonder if they did like, hey, we're talking about baggage. Let's have some. And wow. she's going on a trip. Wow. You got to seize those. That's moments pretty of clever. Activity. Yeah, that's good. I was so moved by someone recognizing what a big step it was for Camille and telling her that. I love telling people I'm proud of them, but I always worry that it has like a patronizing connotation. Mm. Like, yeah, like you can only be proud of someone if they're doing something that you're an expert at or that you've already done. Yeah, like no, but that's not true. I can just I can be proud of anyone for anything, <laughs> or like you had a hand in it or something. Right. Yeah. Right. And, but a child telling a parent felt really special to me. Yeah. Well, here, here's the teacher side of it. If you if you want to know how to say that without being that being patronizing is you I bet you are so proud of yourself <laughs> yeah. seriously just flip it and you must be so proud of yourself for that it was such a big step where you're not giving your approval so anyway <laughs> no that makes sense well aren't you proud of yourself <laughs> that's true it, it just depends on um your, your tone, tone. Yeah. your tone really what, matters how big yeah. an asshole you are <laughs> I also wondered in this scene though if I mean, they're clearly drawing this parallel between Julia and Camille. Which does not work. Okay, sorry. But, yeah, I kind of feel like it's not the same. But no. Jana, you mentioned it earlier, and I'm curious your 
thoughts. On it that. wasn't the parallel to me because I, I don't think that there's a parallel, but I think it's in her mind, a realization of a certain trajectory mm-hmm. and just saying, okay, that's not what I want. I don't want to see myself in 40 years. I don't know, 20 years, whatever. Yeah. Um, doing this, being in this situation. And it just adds fuel to her current doubts. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I've, I've been in, in stages in my, my life where situations, it almost seems like a sign. And I, I think that's what it, it's more like, Oh, I'm really open for this. And Oh, there's a sign. Mm-hmm. That feels more believable to me. Yeah. That's like, I think you used the word cautionary earlier, I think. Mm-hmm. And that that feels real. I also believe that she could be seeing a parallel. I believe that. And too, be yeah. like not fully seeing the whole picture because and that's very human. I don't think that's bad writing on the show's part or anything. Mm-hmm. I think we often see things so filtered through our own perspective. I don't think Julia sees how herself accurately. I think I don't mm-hmm. think she sees herself accurately. That's yeah. it exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. When when that scene with all the siblings, mm-hmm. you know, she tells them, you know, dad, he doesn't listen to her. When she tells him what she needs, he doesn't listen to her. And I think that is how she is feeling with Joel. Mm-hmm. I mean, when she calls him and he's at work. He, yeah. <laughs> but he's not receptive in the yeah. way she wants him to be, which is that's fair. fair. You know? That's fair. Yeah. But yeah. The, and then I believe she might be thinking Oh, dad doesn't listen to mom. Mm-hmm. Joel's not listening to me right now. And then we're like the same. Said, 40 <laughs> years down the line, is this where we're headed if mm-hmm. I don't steer us in a different direction? Yeah. But isn't that what Julia did to, to Joel? She did the same damn thing to Joel when Joel's a stay at home dad. Yes. She worked constantly yes. when Amber screwed up the little coffee cart. Uh, but you know <laughs> what I mean? But she, at the beginning, was mm-hmm. Zeke in the relationship? Mm-hmm. I think she still kind of is. She's more like her father than she was ever like her mother. And yeah, agreed. Is right now. If I was her, and I'm not, but if I was her, I'd be <laughs> fighting the thought like, "Oh shit!" Like you have to look at it on both sides. Like I was that guy doing the same thing. Oh, I was that lady doing the same thing to my husband. Yeah. And now I'm looking for a job. My husband's working all the time, but yet. Joel still doesn't do what Zeke does. And Joel still doesn't talk, in my opinion, talk and treat Julia the way Julia did Joel when she was the breadwinner and she was the stay-at-home mom and she didn't appreciate all the things that he did. You see what I'm saying? Cosine. Yeah. (laughs) Could not agree more. Yes. I, I think you're, yes. And I think going back to what Melissa said, though, that our perception is our only reality. We cannot see it through another lens. And so she, she's got the feels and her feels are loneliness and need and not feeling the support that, that she needs. And Mm -hmm. so it's, she's got to get a fix right now. And she tries and goes, goes to him and, and really calls out and says that, and he can't be present Mm -hmm. because of other, other reasons. And so She's got to make a fix for it. But I, I think it really is her perception. And I think that's what enables her to listen to Camille's story that has nothing to do with her and be like, mm, me. Yeah. Yeah. Me. And act, this is actually making me think it's 10 times more fascinating than I did because like, we know she doesn't like being at home, that that's not the role she is built for. She feels like a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. And I think she is Zeke. That's... <laughs> who she identifies oh, yeah. with more. 
but maybe she's noticing now, I feel like such a square peg in a round hole. The only way I can make this work is if I were more like my mom. And then she's looking at her mom. How did my mom handle this? The way her mom handled it was kind of just shrink and be subsumed by the other parent. Mm -hmm. And I think Julia rightly realizes I cannot let that happen. And then she thinks I'm Camille. When in fact, no, the only reason you're feeling this is because you're not Camille. Yeah. And Camille is learning this lesson just decades down the road. Yeah. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have done this because it led me here. Yeah. And that's that's exactly it because I have such trouble feeling bad for her because I keep thinking oh, of the yeah. way that like Joel would call her at the office and she'd be like, I can't talk right now. Like She would like, you know, bark at him and, and say like, you know, honey, I, you know, I have no way of coming home earlier. I mean, he, she said the exact same things that Joel is saying and Joel didn't sit on the other line and say, we're not connecting. You know, she, <laughs> she doesn't listen to me. You know, he just <laughs> understood. And that's kind of unfair because that he is. Yeah. I mean, he is kind of a saint, but it makes (laughs) me think I need to realize that Julia doesn't, she's not unbiased like all of us are because she's her and she doesn't realize that she's doing this. I mean, I think she's being really hypocritical, but I don't think she has any idea and she is entitled to feel her feelings. And it would be hard to be in a role that you didn't feel you were good at. I mean, Joel was good at it in a way that, that Julia doesn't feel like she is. And that, that would be even good or bad aside, just that you want or don't want. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get the sense that she's a bad mother at all. No. I think she just doesn't want to stay home all day. But I'm not sure that Joel did, and he just accepted it as part of the deal. You know, we're in a yeah. relationship, and this is what makes sense for our family, so I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And he was able to adapt in that way. And, I mean, I just, yeah. I think this job, though, is a little bit him going to Italy. Oh, like, and here, damn. now you stay home. Now you stay mm-hmm. home. And, and you see what it's like. Although I don't think he's doing it at all in a retaliatory mm-hmm. way. Yeah. It, it was not to teach Julia a lesson. She quit her job. Like, she, she quit her job. Without Someone talking had to, to make him. money. Yeah. yeah. And she was on board at yeah. the beginning. So yeah. It, no, but this is good. This is, makes sense. Joel's definitely Camille in the whole scenario. Yeah. And the only thing parallel that this situation, that, um, what's your name? Julia. Julia and her mother's situation <laughs> having comments that they both have the feels. They're both yeah. feeling shit. It's not the same reason. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not even the same feels, really. Yeah. It really isn't. It's it's in the same ballpark, but it's not in the, you know. Yeah. And it's also what leads Julia to think that Ed is really hearing her. Oh, he's not her. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what Ed's hearing. <laughs> Same, same thing. Anyway, I won't go there. Don't go there. I really want you to go there. Well, so I can't remember. So yeah, so the the Stephen Tyler looking chick that Joel, you right? (laughs) (laughs) She looked just like Stephen Tyler, y'all. Pete. Are we talking about Pete, his boss, or are we talking about Raquel, the one who kissed? Raquel. Yeah, 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 Stephen Tyler. Raquel, Stephen, the Stephen Tyler looking chick. You didn't even go live, Tyler. You just went straight. Steven, I mean, he's a beautiful man. I mean, mean, he really is. Yeah, she did kiss him. Yeah, right. So it's the same. It's the same scenario, and it's so TV that that they went this way. 
because as soon as they went this way, I was like, oh, here's here's the, oh, I got you back shit. You know what I mean? That doesn't need to happen. Should never happen in a relationship. She knows better than this shit. And oh boy, come on, man. (laughs) Come on. Although you are making me wonder, do you think Raquel is anywhere in Julia's mind? Like they haven't mentioned it or anything, but do you think in the back of her mind, she's like, Joel was unfaithful, even though she kissed him and his biggest issue was that he didn't tell Julia. I don't think he was interested in Raquel. I don't, right away. I, I mean, he yeah, did eventually. He did tell her, mm-hmm. but like a month after it happened and he was still like, you know, doing play dates with the kids and stuff. But I don't think that he was attracted to Raquel. I mean, I'm sure he thought she was attractive. She looked like Steven Tyler. Um, but yeah, I don't think that she he had like feelings for her the way no. that jo- Julia has feelings for Ed, you know? He wasn't getting something from Raquel that he felt like he wasn't getting from Julia. Yeah. No. It was a different conflict it. in that sense, but yeah. yeah. And that's it, Caleb. You just said that he wasn't getting that from it. And she's got this emptiness. She has a void. She needs to fill it. And he's not there. And so. Well, he's calling her, him. To, she's calling him to talk mm-hmm. when because Joel's too busy. Well, he, she went and but they had their doing... evening delight at his <laughs> at his shop. Yeah. and But even that, I thought of that earlier when we were talking about Ryan's proposal mm. and that it was it's something that could have been motivated from a good place but wasn't yeah and i thought that is exactly like julia's surprise oh God, visit that to was Joel. so awkward that could yeah. have been really thoughtful and sweet like mm-hmm. oh i feel like we're not connecting so i'm gonna come back do something a little sexy and we're gonna connect but i'm like no what's happening is you were just listening to that voicemail and you were realizing what was happening and you wanted to like anesthetize yourself from this is guilt these feelings of you got guilt and temptation that Ed is presenting, and you could see it all over her face. Yeah, when they were starting to have sex, it's like, awful. No, that's not why you do this. No, and his yeah. name's Ed. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah, it seems like it's it's for all the wrong reasons, and I don't know where where it's gonna go. But if that, you know, if she were to leave Joel and start something with Ed, this married dude Ed. That's just bound for destruction. That's, That's not, not going to work. work out. But no, yeah, it's such a it's such a band aid on a giant gash. Well, and what is the problem she's having with Joel? Like, I mean, we saw that phone call, and I thought is this is just unfortunate timing. Mm-hmm. Like he's just busy, mm-hmm. but she called him. So she clearly doesn't feel like she can't confide in Joel about how much she's struggling. That was where she went first. But why does she feel so hesitant to be honest with him about it? Like, why doesn't she say when he gets home, you know, I'm really having a rough day. I, I just don't know why it isn't on their um, discussion. Because they don't communicate. They've they don't. never that's communicated their major well, problem. Ever from the, from the get go. And that's, yeah, you're right, Melissa. That is their major problem. It's, this is a symptom and it's exacerbated by, the situation by his busyness, uh, by her busyness earlier on, but ultimately before he wasn't in the best place, he was a little better suited um, mm-hmm. for, you know, being at home, stay at home dad, that was fine, but still he had some needs. She is really a fish out of water and is mm-hmm. really feeling it now. And it just sucks. And they just can't even talk about it because they don't, they don't communicate. And do you think it's guilt that like, she can't tell him cause he didn't struggle in this same way. And, no. And like, or does she feel like a bad mother or a bad no, wife? No, I think she feels or, like she can't and she has no way out. 
he's doing this thing and but why can't she that's what i don't i why does she feel that way well when i when i look at his job i mean he is there are lots of things and he cannot get away from it he is busy it's building a, a new business and he's the one person who can do all the things and needs to be there and that's what business owners do they spend a lot of hours and i think she recognizes it she's not stupid and he's got to put in that time. I think she knows it. And so I, I, my perspective is that she realizes she's painted herself into a corner. She doesn't like it, but she's going to have to deal with it. And she now realizes I'm not dealing with it. So I'm going to take the easy way out. I did also wonder if she secretly gets a kick from confiding in Ed instead. Oh, oh yes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Fill in her bucket. That guy likes her and, and, you know, doesn't know any of the the shit. It's easy. It's titillating. But Joel is always adored. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Sometimes yeah. it's sometimes that's off putting. Oh, I've got you wrapped around my finger. You're not a challenge. Let's just throw it out there. I'm not a big fan of Julia. Yeah, fair. <laughs> I'm just not. Uh, of who? <laughs> Julia. Oh, okay. And you know what? I shouldn't be a big fan of Zeke either. Then, really, be honest with you, because those are two of the same people. You know, I think. I think Zeke has his moments every now and then. I've just never really felt like up to this point where we're at right now, up to this point, the moments with Julia are so few and far between. I just can't get behind her. You know what I mean? Like every now and then I just want to kick her in the shin. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know what I mean? Just like, Mm -hmm. like why do you have to be like that? You know, to everybody. And it's not just Joel. She does it to her sister. She does it to her brother. She, you know what I mean? Like she yeah. barks at her mother. She barks at Zeke. Zeke's one of the very few people. She, I guess she really doesn't bark at Zeke too much. The two of the same. She people. does kind of cower to him in a way she doesn't. Yeah, to anyone she else. does. Exactly. It takes exactly. a lot yeah, of guts. Yeah, I'm remembering yeah. that now. So yeah, that's I interesting. Just, it's really hard for me to have not even sympathy, empathy with Julia yeah. because it's like, eh. yeah, like, you're kind of shitty all the time. <laughs> Just generally speaking, I think we've mentioned this before. We definitely see a lot of Zeke in Julia and Adam mm-hmm. a lot of the time and fairly regularly from Crosby. Mm-hmm. I find it funny that Sarah of all of them is actually, I think, the least Zeke-like, mm-hmm. which is not to say that I think she's a lot like Camille, but she, I think she's the most like Camille of the four kids. I don't know. I think Adam's pretty close. I think yeah. Adam likes to be well, that caretaking. bond. And I know everybody yeah. comes to Adam and, and Adam's mm, always a oh, big brother Adam and everything. But I really do think that if that family didn't stick together, it would just de- out of everybody on the show, you know Adam would just be completely devastated. That's true. Yeah. But, the, but his temper and his rigidity is so yeah. That's true. true too. Yeah, I, I, right. I think it's sweet that, that you equate that with Camille. That's yeah. I had never done that. I've looked at Adam and been like, you know, patriarch. <laughs> but that is, that is true. That is lovely. He's always trying to fix the family. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we were talking earlier about Julia taking the easy way out, it reminds me so much of when Crosby slept with Gabby when he was fighting with, with Jasmine. And so instead of like figuring out, and Jasmine was his fiance at the time. And instead of figuring mm-hmm. that out, He like, here comes Gabby, who's, you know, beautiful and like, is just complimenting him. And like you said, Jana, there's no baggage uh, there because they don't have a whole relationship together. And this is something that I really hate. It's like so easy for someone who 
isn't in a relationship with you to just come along and say nice things. It's so easy. There's nothing invested. It's so unfair for Julia to compare Joel being really busy at work and being like, let's talk later to Ed, who, as we all know, is unemployed. That's the entire basis of their relationship. Yeah. Giving her all the time in the world, which is what she's wanting. But it's because he's in the same position that you are. Joel mm. is working and taking care of the family that way. And I'm not saying that that means he shouldn't devote time to you. He absolutely should. But like he even says when she goes to seduce him, she says... He says, like, we can talk about that later on tonight. You know, he's like, I know we're so busy. We need to connect. We can talk about that. He is open to talking about it. She's the one who's like, well, I didn't come here to talk. And while that could be a romantic thing, it's not. It's fueled by all the wrong things. And what they really need is to connect emotionally. They really need to talk this out. And maybe then the sex they would have would be about them and not about Ed, you know, and not about her guilt. Mm -hmm. And maybe then it would really feel like connecting and not just a hot hookup, which is weirdly kind of, I think what it feels like. And Mm -hmm. like Joel even says that to her, like, is this a booty call? I'm like, I've never heard Joel say that before. I'm like, I don't know if that really helped (laughs) them. It just put a weird, you know what I mean? Like it, it, I don't know. Anyway. And maybe then she could be friends with Ed because the way you described him, I'm like, this is the perfect description of a great friend for you. (laughs) Someone who is in the same situation that you're in now. You should absolutely confide in that person. Yeah. You just got to take out all these other, I mean, it's the attraction. It's the the worst part of it. And you got to make it not the antidote to what's going on or not going on with your husband. Yeah. If they weren't attracted to each other, even being different, you know, sex and, and both being straight and stuff, I think, I think that that would be a good situation, but they're attracted. And so it's like, th- yeah. then you can't. Cause I feel for her it. and I feel for Ed, that feeling of unemployment and being a yeah. boy, do I in the last two years, yeah. but you gotta, you gotta deal with it in a better way. Yeah. So, I really like it and I'm not invested in the characters and so I don't feel disappointment in them. Yeah. I love, I love what they're doing just from an outsider looking in. It's so, it's so real. Had she said, you know, I'm going to be more adult about this. I'm going to, I'm going to work on my relationship. I'm going to recognize that what he's doing is the right thing. I mean, we want that because we're rooting for the Bravermans, but just on the outside, like how many relationships have gone sour because of cheating and there are lots of reasons to cheat. There are serial cheaters, but there are people who feel neglected or they just want an easy out. They, they just, it's gotten hard and I don't want the hard. I got married for the wrong reason. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's fun, I guess. Not fun, bad word. No, I mean, it's a TV show. So it can be for them. But I mean, but, but on this side, it's, it's appropriate also to, to represent this aspect of relationships and that, Maybe something that really could be good. I mean, they they could be good isn't going to work out because of real life, real life stuff. And and I I like that it's real life stuff. And I I think Julia is the appropriate one to do it. She she gets what she wants. She makes a plan. And right now her plan has gone awry. Mm-hmm. And so the hard would be to be like, okay, I'm gonna put myself in the background here and and work and work and work. And well, fuck that. That's that's, that's also hard. not the most fun and, and 
it's sometimes a lot easier and in the short term more rewarding to do the yeah. other. And so I, I appreciate this storyline. Um, even if it is like, Oh, don't do it. You know, we can see all the red flags. Yeah. You are right though. It's very interesting. I, what you said about fun, her listening to that voicemail where he says, Hey, partner in crime. Yes. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, that's a little dopamine hit. Oh, he called me his partner yeah. in crime. Yeah. And then their phone call at the end, I took notes. I'm like, What's wrong about this? They're both bringing up their spouses, which previously we said that's a nice way to subtly remind each other of the parameters. Like you're married, <laughs> I'm married. And yet <laughs> it didn't make me feel better about this <laughs> at, at all. all. Hello. Hey, it's Julia. Hey. I'm sorry I didn't call you back until now. I just, I actually just found your messages now. That's cool. How are you? I'm fine. Job hunting doing a few things around the house before I pick up the kids. Uh-huh. How are you? Uh, really not good. And don't tell me that everything's gonna be all right. I would never tell you that, because it's not. So that's my wife. <laughs> Sorry, that was low-hanging fruit. You know, she's actually the optimist around this house. So, what's going on? I don't know, I'm all over the place. I mean, I'm, I'm either yelling at my kids, not communicating with my husband in the 10 minute windows that we have, generally making everyone miserable, including myself. That's, this is sounding way worse than I intended, but it's been, it's been a rough week. Yeah, same here. And then my phone rang and it suddenly got a lot better. Danger, danger, oh danger. Danger rule, bro. That dude's a piece of shit. He really is a fucking piece of shit. Fuck that guy. Fuck Ed. <laughs> Stupid fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> he knew exactly what the fuck he was yes, doing. He did. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. Now, yeah, she's a piece yeah. of shit too, but I've already, yeah, it's, you know, I don't you like her. That doesn't mean that she was a piece of shit before, but I didn't like her. Now, yeah, they're uh, both pieces of shit. Oh, well, especially that last to say, like, then my phone rang and everything got, got better. a lot you better. You say that to make that person feel special yes. and to flirt. And uh, uh -huh. I'm like, I'm all for being supportive. That's not supportive. That's, that's doting and yeah. that's all I want to get no. in your britches. Well, Bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> but Caleb, what you said earlier um, was that she was trying to anesthetize her feelings by going to Joel. And I mean, it's clearly already there. That happened before this scene. So this is, I mean, this is crossing the line and yeah. I think yeah. she knows it and he's sending, you know, this, they're, they're not overt yet, but the messages are getting a little more overt and less subtle. And I, I just think it's the two of them going in together. Yeah. And something I kind of in a sick way, maybe love that the show is doing is presenting someone whose actions and behaviors are not clear even to herself mm -hmm. because how often do we, we know, we don't know why we do everything we do. If we were always clear headed about every choice we made, our lives would all work a lot better, but it's, that's not life. And something she mentions offhandedly in that phone call, she says that she's making everyone around her miserable. Mm -hmm. And I thought that sounds like a textbook cognitive distortion to me, like mm -hmm. from, behavioral therapy <laughs> and I thought does she have any evidence that she is making everyone around her miserable who Good is she point. miserable 
She's not making her kids miserable. I mean, yeah, she yelled at them that one time. But I didn't think she yelled that much. Like, I was like, she really did almost fall down the stairs. I thought that was an yeah. appropriate level of yelling. <laughs> I'm not a parent, Jesus but she's, she's not making Joel miserable. They're having a rough patch, but he's not miserable. Yeah. Her siblings aren't miserable. But, her parents aren't miserable. But what a nice way to fish, right? For a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, that means that feeling is coming from somewhere else and it's coming from somewhere inside of her, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. rather than from reality. And that's like, well, she ought to examine that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, but you're so right. It is fishing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it totally she's, is. Because who she's saying that to, she's saying that to Ed. Right. Because of she course, knows yeah. will jump to the bait. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to make you feel good. And here's yeah. what I really hated about that conversation. The first thing he said that I really clocked was... When, you know, he's like, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm fine. And then he says, yeah, how are you doing? (laughs) And that is supposed to be like a contrast to Joel just accepting her saying, I'm okay. Because again, he's at work. (laughs) But I really hate when people sort of capitalize on, on people's low moments. And I do agree that Julia is like a willing participant in this. But I think this is specifically what Ed is doing is he's like, well, here's my angle. I'm going to be the guy who sees what her husband doesn't see. I'm going to be the guy, like she just said, you know, or she's about to say that they're not communicating. Oh, I'm going to be a real great communicator, aren't I? And I'm going to make sure that that I don't accept that bullshit. I'm okay. Uh, you're calling me, so there must be something wrong, and I'm going to listen. And again, it's so easy to be that person. They don't have a decade or more together and children and baggage and Mm -hmm. whole lives of, of fights and makeups and a whole history. They're brand new. So he Mm -hmm. can just come along and act like he's perfect and it's not sustainable. Sustainability Mm -hmm. committee. guy. Nice. Oh my gosh. There's just layers upon layers Layers upon layers, like a compost bin of, of (laughs) (laughs) anyway, anyway, but yeah. How long has Ed been around? in this season. I, I think guess. he showed up in the second episode of the season and this is the seventh. So a couple of months, I guess. I'm okay. not sure how much time has passed as Caleb says. It's, it's Friday's coming quickly. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, I think what's really interesting is the casting choice. I mean, yeah. he he's a dad. He's got a dad bod. He is so not handsome. I should say not handsome, but he is not like stereotypically handsome. You know, like Joel he's no Joel. Is kind of, yeah, he's he's really good looking, like really superhero-y. And Julia is so, so fine. And this guy, <laughs> this guy is nothing. I mean, if Julia is like a nine, this guy's a two. And I love that. <laughs> I know I, I really love that casting choice. I, it's fascinating to where me. they're going. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, this is not this is not a sexual, um, Mm -hmm. physical thing. This is a mental connection that's being made. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm telling you right now, I think it'd be shit. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This, this is not going to work. I don't like it. But it is, I I agree that it's way more interesting that they cast a relatively like more (laughs) regular, normal, you know, looking dude than if they had just cast someone hot. It's, also really interesting because he comes across as like non-threatening that way Mm -hmm. and so then you know i wonder she might have had her guard up a little bit more if it had been someone she had been really physically attracted to right Mm -hmm. away she may have seen him as oh just like a friend and so then you know perhaps something like this took hold because it sort of took her by surprise 
possibly. I don't and I'm sure it's something that she can tell herself when she's calling him. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not being shy. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not attracted to Ed. It's not um, Steven Tyler. <laughs> yeah. She's also so bad at this. Who <laughs> plays a voicemail multiple times on speakerphone? I was like, are you sure you're alone? Like, you're just bad at having <laughs> yeah. an emotional affair, if that's what this is at this <laughs> point. Victor's at the top of the stairs with a single tear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. Melissa, you mentioned earlier you didn't think Julia's yelling was that bad. I I wanted to Let's ask, hear it. <laughs> well, actually, when you said in your um, list of clips to me, you're like, let's examine how bad this actually is. And yeah. I thought that was a good idea. Victor, come here, please. Sydney, I told you to put your craft stuff away. In a minute, we're doing something. No, get over here. I told you three times to put this away. Victor, this was on the stairs. I nearly died. This is out of control. You guys need to get upstairs. Put this stuff away where it belongs. All right. That's not going off. You don't think going, so? No, going off is the mom and the stepbrothers going, what in the fucking, fucking, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> like, that's going off. You know what I mean? Granted, I know the kids are young, but man, I know how to fuck that. I mean, like, what the fuck is this? Y'all get your shit and put it in your room. I mean, granted, I probably not mess with my kid. I probably would, to be honest with you. I probably shit. Yeah, that's not yelling. That's, that was that was raising your. I mean, she might have been yelling, but that was raising your voice. Nah, I mean, that's not the way I yell. Good, I, bad, or indifferent. Evidently, <laughs> I disagree one hundred percent. I think that her words came. I think it's really about their origin, and she took it out on her kids. And mm. I think the tone was really, really harsh. It was really quick, and I think mostly. And Caleb, what you were Hoyer, what you were saying earlier about her. You didn't say she was projecting. What did you say? Oh, that she's making everyone around her miserable. Yes, thank oh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that I I actually think that it stemmed exactly from that moment, and she said something harshly. It was straight immediate emotion, and it came from a really dark place in her. And I think she recognized that, and I think mm. that that's where her guilt stemmed from, and that that was what she was referencing when she said she was making everyone around her miserable. She was feeling miserable. She lashed out at her kids and did what she knew to be the the wrong thing and then was feeling a lot of shame about it. And so I have done that exact same thing multiple times, just taken my anger out on the situation. And um, you see it in your kids' faces and you, you're like, oh my goodness, I brought them into this world. I am their ter- care- caretaker. I love them. And yet I just had a bad moment and I took it out on them. Mm. Why in the world am I a parent? That's so, a very good point. That is a good point. I thought we were just talking about how much she yelled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and diving in deep, my bad, guys. <laughs> I, just had, I just had my hip boots on. I didn't put my whole waders on. <laughs> well, because I agree on that level, it was pretty tame. Like, I've, I've heard my sisters, neither of whom are yellers, yeah. shout more than this. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen them throw things. But in Julia's case, it looked like all the stuff she was throwing was like nerf stuff. <laughs> like, and she wasn't throwing it at them. She was throwing it up the stairs anything. where it belonged. Yeah. yeah. So the whole thing seemed pretty tame. Although I appreciated, like, I, I get that Julia wouldn't like that she did it. And I think that's good. Like, controlling yeah. your temper is not a bad thing. And, yeah, better that you be horrified at your behavior when it's like that than when it's worse. Right. I, I thought if they wanted to make it scarier, 
I know we've criticized Parenthood before for cursing when they can't actually curse because they're on network TV. But I thought around the kids, I think it would still have an impact if she was like, move your ass and put this yes. crap away. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That would have made me be like, oh, Julia, yeah. you're you unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's, well, I think that's what uh, got me. I was like, okay, first of all, what prompted it? Okay. You're right. On a very deep level, what prompted it is her loneliness and sadness and the fact that she feels more connected to Ed than her husband. But in that moment, also what prompted it is that she really did trip on whatever that toy was. It was very well shot. It really looked like she almost fell down the stairs. And I thought that would have made me snap just like she did. I would have lost Mm -hmm. my mind if I'd already told people to put stuff away. I'm like, it is really unacceptable that things should be on the stairs Mm -hmm. like that. That's not a messy issue. That is a safety issue. Mm -hmm. And when she said I nearly died, I thought, I could see where that could seem hyperbolic and like she, but, but I mean, she could break she it back. She could have. She could yeah. have. I, mean, I don't know if she nearly, nearly died, but, but she, she could have She died. could have. And I, so I was looking at it from that angle, but Jana, you have brought up something that really makes me think, um, every once in a while, I want to say maybe once a year, it's not that often, but I will sort of have a blow up to that level at one of my classes. And it's kind of the same. Like, I don't curse. I don't think I'm saying anything inappropriate, really. It would be inappropriate to talk to them with that tone all the time. But I think it's like a once in a while you you snap because people are being rude or not doing what they're supposed to do. And I've, I've actually wondered to what degree it's bad even because I always feel very, very guilty afterwards. And literally my students, the ones I yell at are the ones who like the next day are like, it's fine. Everyone has their limits. We were not being very good. You know, like, they, like <laughs> so it makes me feel like, okay, I can't be a horrible tyrant if they are comforting me, right? It's clearly out of character. But I, my guilt when I do that is so tremendous that I'm like, I don't even know that it's worth it. But I have to say, it's not even really a conscious thing that I do. It's It really does feel like a snap. Like, I'm being patient. I'm like, okay, everybody calm down, like quiet down, let's get to work. And then it's like, blah, because I just need it to stop. And it's like, I kind of lose it a little. And I think it's very human, but I really do wonder to what degree it's awful. Because on the one hand, Logically, I can say they never deserve that. I'm their teacher. I should always treat them with respect and kindness. And as their parents, so should Julia. But also, that's we're not just like unfeeling robots up there. You know, we put a lot into our lessons. And if people aren't doing what they're supposed to do or being rude or whatever, every once in a while, you you might not react in an ideal way. And I think you have to be forgiven for that. And actually, weirdly, sometimes something good can come from it. And like, like I say, I don't think that you should do that like all the time. Like a new relationship with Ed? Uh, no, oh, no, sorry. no. What I mean is like the kids, Victor and Julia are cleaning up. They didn't before. They now know she's serious and they're doing it. Like, I, I think that She's looking at it like I blew up at them. I'm a horrible mother. They now know she's serious and, ooh, we better get to it. <laughs> you know, I, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, absolutely. like, yeah, I just think that's interesting. She's looking at it like I, I'm making everyone around me miserable, but to some degree they deserve that. She's been telling them nicely for a week and they haven't done it. And she's just feeling guilt because she knows it's motivated by something else, I guess. Yeah. And and you're not wrong. And you said earlier, you know, it's, it's the perception and that's what it is. I mean, 
you blow up in class. I go after my kids when, you know, they're minorly annoying. And all of a sudden I'm like, you have just wrecked my car. You know, it's, it really is just the perception. And I think that her knowledge that this really, I I think is Is about deeper seated. Yeah. It's not really about this thing. I think that's where it really comes from. That makes sense. I feel like we cracked that code. Yeah. Well, my last random bit of info I wanted to include at the dinner, Crosby calls Pete Pistol Pete, which is the mascot for Oklahoma State, mm. where both of my parents went. Oh, that's nice. Oh, there you go. A little shout out there. I grew up wearing Pistol Pete t-shirts. Oh, little Caleb in your Pistol Pete shirt. It's cute. Yeah. Well, I think we've clearly identified the theme of this episode. Baggage. 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 Bagage, as I like to say. Bagage. You could fill a whole little red wagon (laughs) with the catalog of baggage. You just sound like you're from some made-up country. (laughs) I know, I don't know why it should be so funny to me, but it is. Put it in the bag. You know, I will. I will say, like, does anyone have a magazine? <laughs> <laughs> While you're talking about um, baggage being the you know theme, I have to say, like, the reason I thought of Jana and Caleb, I'd wanted to have them on together anyway. But I thought it would be so fun. We have a shit ton of baggage. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fucking double bags. I didn't mean that. I just meant I thought it would be really fun to have a couple on about this episode that is like entirely couples. Like, I don't know that we've ever had an episode like this before where I think pretty much every single storyline is directly tied to a romantic relationship. And so I thought, how fun to get like point counterpoint, you know? Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's all I meant. If you have baggage, I think it's the same as everyone. I think human beings have baggage. I think even if you don't have baggage, that is baggage. The lack of baggage is baggage. Then, I, mean, I mean, what the hell have they done in their lives? I mean, it's interesting. You know, I'll try anything three or four times. <laughs> anything. Um, <laughs> uh-oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, they, I don't know. <laughs> I saw terror go through your eyes there. Yeah, I was just thinking about like, oh. <laughs> all the things I haven't done. I don't know. I read a Sweet Valley High book, bringing it back to the Wakefield twins, um, <laughs> number 40, Over the Edge, and um, a girl went to a party and tried cocaine twice and died. And uh, I, I never did cocaine. <laughs> you could cut that. That doesn't mean anything. adopting other people's baggage. No, that baggage <laughs> stayed with me. That baggage uh, begged to be <laughs> listened to. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, what were you going to say about the baggage theme, Caleb? Wrapping it up. Oh, that was... That's it. That's what it is. That was it. That's the most... Just that that was the theme. That's the most that a title has ever been, like, spelled out for us in the episode, I think. Speaking mm-hmm. of baggage, and Hank just, like, has a whole speech about and it. And Camille literally says at the dinner, well, speaking of baggage... Mm-hmm. Oh, she does. I'm does. going to and Italy. Literally pack a suitcase. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this one was well... And, rounded. yeah, and Hank yeah. speaks of baggage. Yeah. He speaks of baggage. You're right. Okay. Well... Wow, everybody, we did it. But that was rough. That was, <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of that. I am so <laughs> grateful to both of you for coming on. Thank you so much. It's a blast. Yeah, we were happy to air our baggage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay. Perfect. Well, you can find us eight parenthood pails. <laughs> <laughs> or on Facebook. Um, or 
<laughs> no, Facebook is already a long time. But already. then you take it, you make it a short day. I don't I'll see understand. What you do. Oh, the I, reverse isn't funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These are the rules of comedy, Melissa. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> they are hard and faced. <laughs> Can I plug one more thing? Yes. Mark, if you're listening, I love you. I miss you. Aww. Mark also loves and misses you. And Caleb, can I tell you, you said like 14 things on this podcast that made me really laugh and think of Mark. I'm like, that is so Mark. Like, <laughs> It's a fucking piece of shit. That sounds that like That sounds like Mark. <laughs> I was thinking of that. Yeah, the whole time you were like. Let me tell you like, this. It's a fucking piece of shit. Does he do that yeah. when he comes on? Yes. Mark went on yeah. a crazy. I feel like he maybe said that about Hank. He did. In the last one he. Caleb, let me tell you this. Hank's a piece of shit, all right? <laughs> and Adam's a fucking paternalistic, possessive. Yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. He's a man of meek opinions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mark isn't fiery at all, right? Um, no. But yeah, it really, that was it. Caleb, you nailed it. That was what reminded me of Mark earlier when you were talking about Ed. I'm like, <laughs> it's like Mark just showed up. That's funny. Anyway. Yes, we're on social meds. Um, we are Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parenthood Pals everywhere. And, and parenthoodpals.com. That's right. Uh, thank you again to Jana and Caleb W. You guys are wonderful and I love you both. Love you too, Melissa. And thank you to our listeners. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.